Hello there, it's your friend Tig. In two days, guess who's turning one whole year older? The responses, Jessica Chastain, Damar Hamlin, and Peyton Manning are technically all correct. But the answer that I'm looking for is me, Tig Notaro. That's right. I am going to be 52 years old. And I have to say, I've never been uncomfortable talking about my age. I've always felt okay with my age. And I was sending out an email to invite a select group of friends to celebrate with me. And I mentioned in the email that I was turning 52 and somebody mentioned how refreshing they thought it was that I mentioned my age. But it just kind of stopped me in my tracks because I thought, I wonder if there's an age I'm going to hit where I'm going to freak out. I know a lot of people are like 25 or 30 or 50 or whatever it is. And I keep waiting for that age. And I just haven't ever felt that. And I would love for people to write in and tell me how they feel about their ages and give me a little insight into why you do or don't feel excited or bummed about whatever age it is that you are or you're approaching or you did already turn that age. Please fill me in. But uh, yeah, happy birthday to everyone else out there too. And let's get on with the show. Uh, wow, I haven't had such a good hearty laugh in a while. Thank you for that. Never will you ever again. Oh, this was it. Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, proudly offering all of my advice free of charge and expertise. Joining me today is an actor and comedian who starred as Valerie Cole in the Golden Globe nominated dramedy Casual. Her resume also includes The Dropout, Search Party, and Wet Hot American Summer. You'll soon see her in the upcoming Hulu series Tiny Beautiful Things. Michaela Watkins, love of my life. Welcome <laughs> to Don't Ask Tig. Oh, thank you so much, Tig. It is it is a, a hearty pleasure to be here. A hearty pleasure. Oh, yeah. You sound like you're doing a character and being sarcastic. I just called you the love of my life. I know. And you're actually the love of my life. In yeah. fact, I think I speak for a lot of straight women when I say that you've made us all question our sexuality. You've made me question everything in my life. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think we've known each other? You know, I can't remember, but I know that we had a fast friendship. Very like we fast. went zero to 60. Yeah. And I went from like you making me laugh at a mutual friend's house mm -hmm. to sharing a bed with you in Las Vegas. <laughs> Because we were all <laughs> packed in a hotel room together. We also shared a bed in Palm Springs. 
Oh, that's right. At a yeah. bachelorette party. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare try and edit out all of our bed experiences. <laughs> you were an actress on a commercial. Do you remember this? Yeah. That this is the beginnings? Yeah. And I can tell you something that you probably don't remember. Oh, but let's let it be known. I was not an actor on this. No, you were a PA. I was a production assistant. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we were just immediately cackling. We were cackling because I can remember what made me laugh. And this is years and years and years ago. How many years? Let's say almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And you made me pee myself at lunch on this commercial because Mm -hmm. you told me this story about how you had some huge car. What was your big, like the biggest car you ever had? Oh yeah. Like a Dodge something. Yeah. There was this very popular breakfast joint in Hollywood where a lot of like Mm. auto work actors would hang out and write their screenplays and look up every single time somebody walked in to see if anybody important was walking in. And you went to this place on third and you told me that you would blast like Aerosmith or something super, super loud. No, I would blast like Barbara Streisand's Guilty. Oh. Or Enrique (laughs) Iglesias Jr., hero. Like really kind of, I mean, songs I love, but songs that people would consider cheesy. Right. Really loud. (laughs) And that you would find an empty spot in front and you would do a 90 point turn, pretend to parallel park for like half an hour while the songs would play. And everybody's trying to eat their breakfast and write their screenplays. You would be trying to pull into the space. And every time people would get up from their tables and be like, just back it up a little bit. My favorite part of it was how gracious you were. Every time somebody tried to help you, you'd be like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They're like, just back it up an inch as if you've never driven in reverse before. And oh, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You were Tig Nataro to you, but not to anybody else. <laughs> and so this was 100% for your own enjoyment and your benefit. I love that I was Tig Nataro to me. To you and nobody else. Nobody to else. To everybody else, you were a terrible driver, but to you, you were like future star Tig Notaro. I was future podcaster Tig Notaro. Oh, remember we tried to start a band? Oh, we did try and start a band. <laughs> what were our hit songs? Um, I Don't Feel Safe Tonight. Oh, yeah. Was a lesbian Ready? Let's, ballad. Let's jump in. One, yeah. two, three. And I don't, I don't feel, feel safe, safe tonight. tonight. Thank you and good night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you remembered that. And I don't, and I don't feel <laughs> safe in tonight. your Oh my God. Everyone has turned this episode off. (laughs) They've all puked and died. (sighs) What a dream. Oh, it was fun. Now, Michaela, you have just exploded beyond the commercial world, let's be honest. And (laughs) I've made my way out of production assistant work. I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, we've safely made it out. You're now in Hulu's Tiny Beautiful Things, which is based on the life of Cheryl Strayed. Yeah, And her advice column, Dear Sugar. Yeah, yeah. And has any of her um, advice stuck with you from working on that project? Let's hear it. Dear God, yeah. Well, here's a really good one. Not from working on the show, because I'm a longtime listener of her podcast, Mm -hmm. old-time fan when she used Mm -hmm. to be a advice columnist called Sugar. Yeah. In this literary magazine called The Rumpus. 
all the people who were writing letters were writers. So the letters themselves were absolutely exquisite Uh and gut-wrenching and beautiful. And Sugar would write back with the smartest, most wonderful, heartbreaking responses ever. It's almost like she countered everybody else's pain with like even more pain and then showed you like this little light, the end of the tunnel in it. So I was going through a dark period and I was reading it religiously. And there's one thing that she said, there was a guy who was like 40 and he was writing about whether or not to have children. He was really split. He was going through a lot of the same things that I was thinking about at that time. And she said, there's this poem by Transtromer about this sistership that is floating on the water. And it's your sister life, the one that you didn't choose to live. And you basically make a decision and every decision, there's a whole life that's going to end up on this parallel, quiet ship that's going to float silently next to you. And it's not your life to live. All you could do is salute it from the shore. And it's just this sistership that's just going along. And I always think about how Like, I'll get it on another round. I have this idea that you get to the end of your life and you're going to have a full jar. It may not look like this other full jar, but you're going to have a full jar of experiences. There is no right and wrong. It's just where you go. You're not going to make some huge regrettable decision. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a whole other life. I could have had a life where I'm not an actor, where I was a nurse or a doctor, or I traveled the world or I blah, blah, blah. Because sometimes I do think longingly like, wow, I really thrive in structure. Maybe I should have had a job that is going to get me up at 9 a.m. every day, home at five. I play with my children. I go to soccer games like that. Sounds beautiful to me. Your children's soccer games or just soccer games? Just soccer Uh games. My children won't be allowed to play soccer (laughs) because they could get hurt. And there's my everything in this life. (laughs) Uh, No, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So I I think about that. And there's another one, and this might get you good. Mm. She gives advice to a 21 year old, says, What advice would you give to a 21 year old? And she does this heartbreaking list. And at the end of it, she says, you know, when your mother buys you a coat and you don't like the color, it's too long or too big or too puffy or all these other things, say thank you. In a year, she may be gone. Just say thank you. Yeah. That one just ripped my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so unfamiliar with Dear Sugar. Uh, I referenced her in a storytelling night and I sit down and the guy across from me at the table pulls up his sleeve and he's got a tattoo that says the rumpus on it. And... I was like, oh my God, who is she? Who Tell me who she is. I feel like I know her. Yeah. And he said, I can't and I won't. And then she came out with Wild. Yeah. And they made it into a movie with Reese Witherspoon. And then I've since obviously met Cheryl. I just met her. She's magical. And she lived around the corner from me in Portland, Oregon at the same time as me. Wow. We were both bartenders at different restaurants. This is like when Harry met Sally. Mm-hmm. And we never met. Wow. That's one of those things where like talking about waving to your life as it goes by. Yeah. You could have had a totally different experience if you had walked around the corner and bumped into Cheryl. I mean, who knows? Yeah. It's just, that's wild. Yeah. Now, aside from acting, you're also very involved in political activism. I'm curious, have you always been passionate about activism I mean, I think anybody who's an empath probably is a bit of an activist, but I just never learned to use my voice about it Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, we white women are so 
we want to be nice first, right? Mm -hmm. And activism is nice. It's like the most loving thing you can do. So I remember exactly where I was when I became ignited. And I was living in Portland, Oregon. I was about 22 years old. And I was listening to public radio in my car and they were talking about the Bosnian rape camps, Mm -hmm. which was happening during when Milosevic and Serbia and the whole thing. And I wasn't even somebody who even looked at a paper. You know, I just wasn't, I wasn't turned on. I just wasn't Mm -hmm. involved. And uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I just was like, why isn't everybody doing something? You know, my husband's a huge activist and he worked for an anti-genocide organization. So all day long, he was trying to prevent genocide. And I was writing fart jokes for the Groundlings, you Mm. know, sketch comedy group. And we thank you for those. Oh, you're you're so welcome. And I remember thinking like, God, he must think I'm such a fool because he's over there doing that important thing. And I'm over here going, honey, is it funny if I go, or is it funny if I go, ah, you know? <laughs> Not really. You get it. No, it is really. <laughs> The listeners might not know you as well, but I've slept in beds with you. So I do know that that is really your writing. (laughs) Oh, it hurts. And so I said, oh, you must, you must think I'm such an idiot. And he goes, no, this is important too. And I go, how could this be important? He goes, I don't have to be in the middle of a genocide to help people who are experiencing genocide. You Mm -hmm. know, in fact, I would be useless if I was. So it is important to live your life and have a beautiful life and do great things and also do these other things, you know? And so that was really important for me. I'm well aware that, like you said, Fred is a huge activist. And is that Mm -hmm. where your connecting point was, do you suppose? Or was it just like, Oh, how crazy. We're both passionate about this. I mean, Fred is very different from anybody else I ever dated because he's not the shiniest bulb in every room. Like he is, but you have to get to know him Uh bulb to realize, holy you are the shiniest. You're actually like, because I was such a magpie, I'd be like, that person is so smart. And I'd like flock over and be like, tell me smart things. So yeah. I, and, and I would get so turned on, you know, or that person is such a great musician or mm-hmm. comedian or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would just be like, wow. And Fred was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I tried to not date him for a long time, but I couldn't, I couldn't get quit of how soulful and good a person he was. You know, I kept coming back to him being like, wait, I feel like there's more there. I feel like there's more there. I got to know you more. I got to know you more. That's awesome. Yeah. He, so he doesn't, he didn't like show me all his tricks and then burn out and turn out to just be an asshole. Yeah. No, he's, he's the best. Yeah. He was like quietly the loveliest person I've ever met. I love it. I love it. I love you. (laughs) I'm glad you guys found each other. Ah, thanks. It is time to get to listener questions. Okay. Would you help me help them? Oh, hell yeah. Thanks, girl. Okay, in your TV show, Casual, you played a therapist navigating the world of modern dating. Mm -hmm. Maybe that experience will come in handy for this first question. Oh, God, I already love this question. (laughs) Unsolicited advice is my happy place. (laughs) (laughs) Josie in San Francisco writes, Mm -hmm. two dear people in my life are looking for love and I think they'd make a great match. They're both mature, intellectually brilliant, 
and have seen a lot of life. I don't want them to know I'm trying to set them up, and I'm not into hosting gatherings at my place. Arranging dinner or drinks at a bar with just the three of us feels obvious, especially because they come from very different areas of my life. I'd like to do something more creative to get them engaged with each other in a natural, meet-cute kind of way. Thoughts? Thank you. Love you. The first thing that comes to mind is... Bungee jumping? No. What's wrong with your home? That you're like, (laughs) I'm not into having people there. What's going on there? That you're like, no. That no, I can't I can't bring other humans in there. They'll find the bodies. Yeah. Just because that does feel like the most obvious, which is like have a dinner party and invite some randoms and like watch the sparks fly across the table, you know? Yeah. Or even when Josie is saying dinner or drinks at a bar with just the three of us feels obvious. Mm-hmm. Well, then don't have it be the three of you. Yeah. Does Josie have a birthday ever? Probably. That's like a good way to be like, hey. Instead of having my besties, I just wanted to have dinner with people that I have not seen in a while and I find super interesting and lovely and just have a dinner with you guys. And you invite some randos who are interesting, lovely people, but aren't going to be like take over the whole conversation so that the two world travelers that you're trying to hook up with don't sit there quietly, look at their watch and go, well, I guess I should be going without ever having said anything. Think of the personality types you want to see mixing mm-hmm. so that they could really have a chance. Or, Ooh, oh, this here is a come, good one. Here come, I saw that popping out of your face. Yeah. So my friend does this, and it's my favorite thing, is she is hard of hearing. So instead of having a lot of micro conversations, she wants to have a macro conversation at every dinner party. She's very controlling. So <laughs> she, what she does is she puts a question under everybody's plate. And even if you go to a restaurant, it's so fun because I would read a question, you know, like, did you ever have a divine experience? I don't know. Did you ever blah, blah, blah? Who was your first crush and why? Oh, that's fun. And then everybody has to go around the table and say their answer. And people's personalities come out so exquisitely in those moments because you can find their sense of humor. Yeah. You find out what they're into. Yeah, yeah. You find out how shy they are. Mm-hmm. And then it's so satisfying when they open up too. And it's a way to also break through small talk, mm-hmm. you know, which could happen when two people meet is like they're both on guard. And because everybody's doing it, everybody's equally vulnerable. I think this is a great idea. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I would say invite Michaela. (laughs) Please do. Josie, you'll figure it out. Yeah. There's so many different ways to do it, but you don't have to make it awkward like three people at a bar. And if your house is really too much of a wreck, then... Go for a hike. Yeah, by yourself, Josie, go for a hike. Get out of the house. No, but go for a hike with, what, a group of people? Is that what you're saying? No, no, both of them. Make Mm -hmm. plans with one and Uh then add on the other one and go, hey, I'm going for a hike with a friend. Let one of them know that maybe, like, I feel like you guys would be good friends. Yeah. And then if there's a spark, there's a spark. All right, Josie, try that and make sure Michaela and I get invites to the wedding since we masterminded their meet cute for you. Yes. Michaela, uh, let's take a break and then get back to some more listener questions.
And we're back. Michaela, this next question is about a highly polarizing issue. Oh, good. My favorite issues. Jay writes, this question has been dividing friends and family, so I hope you can settle it once and for all. Should you take the time to wash between each individual toe when you shower? (laughs) I'm going to let you feel this one, because I know you've got strong thoughts. Well, it's truly (laughs) insane that this question popped up, because the other day I was thinking, I don't feel like I've spent the time really necessary on my son's toes. Okay, I will wash them with a washcloth and I'll clip Mm -hmm. their nails, Mm -hmm. but... I truly cannot believe this question came in because it was like within 24 hours that I was lying there going, I need to like really get in there and scrub between the, because my sons, they're the kind of kids that when you get them new shoes, they have holes in them and are completely run down within a week. And Stephanie and I are like, we just got these. So that should be an indication of what's going on in between their toes. You know what I mean? And they're clean. How did I know this question was for you? <laughs> it was just random enough. That I know. I was like, oh, ask old random pants. Over old here. random face. Yes. <laughs> so here's what I feel. I would say at least once a week or every other time you take a shower. I don't know. I mean, Michaela, do you even clean yourself? What? It, where are you on this? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I just wave a selenite wand of crystal magically over my face, burn some Palo Santo, and poof, I'm energetically cleansed, and that's enough for me. And you look great. Thank you. No, I. what I do is I would go every few weeks to get like a pedicure, and mm-hmm. that's a real deep clean mm-hmm. of the foot. Mm-hmm. But- I haven't done that really much at all because it's winter and I don't care what's happening inside of my shoe. It is winter. Tis winter. Inside of my boot. (laughs) Stephanie and I also talk to each other like that at the house. We'll be like, come, sit by the fire, pull your boots (laughs) off, father's home. Like on and on and on. We speak like the 1800s, 1700s. You're in like the crucible. (laughs) I... I will say that when I did kind of look at my foot, sort of objectively, like, what if this wasn't my foot and somebody was forced to look at it? I was horrified by what I doth did see in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Come, let me braid your hair by the fire. Yes, throw off your boots (laughs) or allow someone to come in and wiggle it off your foot. (laughs) Please come and let someone wiggle it (laughs) off your foot. That's not quite the same vibe. I I know what you're trying to do, but like, you know, come, let me braid your hair by the fire, is it? Let me wiggle the boot. There's no boot wiggling. Your your improv is better. And if I was a time traveler, I would have been found out in that moment right then. They'd be like, what? (laughs) Boot wiggling? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Let me wiggle the boot right off of your... Get her! She's not from our era. (laughs) She's Uh, a TV star. And what is that? Anyway. But I I was horrified by what my eyes have seen in my wiggle boot. (laughs) In my unwiggled boot. <laughs> we'll take a picture of Michaela's foot and put it on our social media. And I'll get so many fans on my Michaela's feet Wikipedia. No, Michaela's foot. It's just one. Yeah, I just have it's one. It's the most right. heinous 
foot of the two. Yeah, I deeply care for one and I let the other one go to rot. <laughs> it's an experiment. It is. Like, what if you cleaned your foot and what if you didn't clean your yeah. foot? Yeah. All right, Jay. That's what we think, whatever we said. <laughs> but wiggle the boot. <laughs> That's the final answer now yeah. and forever. I think it's a preference. It's a seasonal preference. We're going to take a quick break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp. Abigail writes, I like my therapist and each session is reasonably pleasant. However, I get very anxious when I sense our time is up. It's not that I have to leave. It's that we have to conclude our conversation, and that's hard for me, even in social situations. I don't see the clock, so when I sense that we might be getting close to the end of the session, I get anxious and try not to introduce any big topics or sudden realizations that might take too long. I'm also not at all sure of what the etiquette is, and I fear being abruptly cut off or even gently informed that I need to wrap it up. As a comedian who regularly has to be aware of the time, what advice would you give for this time management therapy conundrum? Abigail, while it's true that I'm known for my timing, a comedy set and a therapy session really aren't the same thing. If you feel like you're having to perform in therapy, that's an issue to discuss with your therapist. In comedy, we call the last joke of a set a closer. Let me reassure you that you don't need a closer in therapy. That said, it's okay and understandable to be anxious about time. We've all experienced that. Just off the top of my head, could you possibly wear a watch to therapy or ask your therapist to put a clock in your sight line for your sessions? If you're worried you won't have enough time to get to certain topics, maybe you could bring a list. Or tell your therapist at the start of your session what you're hoping to talk about so they could, you know, prompt you if needed. Abigail, you described your conundrum really clearly to me, so I think you're ready to describe it directly to your therapist, who I'm sure will be more than happy to work with you to find a solution. And one last thing, you could also have your phone on vibrate to tell you maybe 15 minutes before your session is up that you have about 15 minutes left. That could be something where you're not watching the time and you just kind of get a quiet reminder. I hope that that's been helpful or at least somewhat reassuring. As always, thank you to our therapy etiquette sponsor, BetterHelp. If you have any questions about the unspoken rules of therapy etiquette, share them with us by calling 833-275-8444 or visiting don'tasktig.org slash contact. Now let's get back to the show. Michaela, this next question comes from a Canadian named Candace. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Candace in Alberta writes, my husband and I, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to be like, my husband and I have been <laughs> sitting by the fire with wiggly boots. Okay. My husband and I have a great group of close friends, and I have a gaggle of girlfriends that I adore spending time with. But when we get together in groups with couples, like at a party, for example, where we don't know everybody, mm -hmm. I often feel the obligation to get lumped in with the wives. 
when really I would rather hang around with the husbands. Mm -hmm. I find I have a more similar sense of humor to the guys, but I don't want to be considered standoffish for not talking with the wives. How can I navigate these social situations, or am I doomed to be talking about what we put in the kids' lunches, their teachers, and family meal prep ideas forever? God. Well, my first thought is you got two feet, use them. If you're like sitting in a kitchen, wiggle the boots off. Wiggle of your, your boots feet. over into the man <laughs> den and go like perch on your spouse's knee and listen to the men tell their fishing tales. Um, and be quiet because you are not, you're a visitor and a guest amongst the men. I don't know what year is this? Like, go where you feel like having a conversation and being. I mean, if there's a natural Mm -hmm. thing where the women lump off into one and they're going to judge you because you're like hanging out and talking. I mean, it harkens back to when I was uh, at very cold winter in Massachusetts. (laughs) No, it reminds me though, no joke, where I had a a really waspy boyfriend in college. Mm -hmm. They had a weekend home or they summered in the Cape in uh, Martha's Vineyard. And I went there once as like Jewy Justine, who didn't really know how these upper crusts acted in, you know, at their Mm -hmm. summer homes. And I was like, kind of, uh, I was at that time. Now I prefer my female friends overwhelmingly. But at that time, most of my friends were guys. And I was sitting with the men as they were talking about all kinds of stuff that wasn't that interesting to me, but definitely more interesting than whatever was happening in the kitchen. And Mm -hmm. the men were drinking drinks that I liked. They were drinking whiskey and beer. And in the kitchen, all the women had a glass of Chardonnay and I didn't want a glass of Chardonnay. And the way they kept saying Chardonnay as I would watch their painted lips, like reach around their teeth when they would go like Chardonnay. And I, um, (laughs) do you want another glass of Chardonnay? Then they're like, Michaela, please come in here. You don't want to sit with those men. Come sit with us. They smell. And I would sit with them and I would just be twerking my ear to hear what the guys were all talking about. And I felt so confused and so split. And I think about that a lot because I have a Mm -hmm. terrible memory. So if I remember it, it was significant. and Mm -hmm. Or made up. Or made up. And I saw it in a movie. (laughs) But I definitely think about it a lot because I think, thank God, that's not the dynamics now. Yeah. And if you find that it is, if you find it's a party, go shake it up. Yeah. If you want to go sit with the guys, go sit with the guys. Wiggle those boots off and head on over. Yeah. Like if your sense of humor drives more, go. Who, yeah. Who's stopping you? Literally nobody. Go talk to whoever you want. And who's stopping you is yourself. Yes. Because you've decided that this group of women will judge you. And it does go back to what we're told as children. If if, uh, if, uh, what is the saying? Um, if they're not nice, you don't want to be friends with them, and then you should find friends someplace else. And if they and don't then, come back, they were never yours yeah, to begin with. And set them free, and then they'll fly away. <laughs> that saying, remember that, Candace? Yeah. Never forget that saying. But um, it's true. You don't want to spend your time. I can't stand that. It's like when I go out, mm-hmm. it's rare. But I always see Michaela and Fred. Fred. Yeah. The four times (laughs) Stephanie and I have socialized in the past 10 years, we see Michaela and Fred. That's funny. And to be honest, it's usually at an activism gathering. That's true. But 
There's only been four in the last four years. There's only been four. <laughs> you got to go make yourself happy and go. Go talk to whoever it's you want, It's an archaic Candace. idea that yeah. we have to like split up by gender. And I promise that if you do go hang out with the guys and have a laugh, you know, go in and then go have a laugh with the women for like 10 minutes so they know you're not a bitch if that's what you're worried about. But like, honestly, I but bet- But maybe she is a Well, if you're a bitch, then own it. Stop <laughs> trying to hide your Go be a um, that, I got real excited. <laughs> I saw that. But like, genuinely, I bet you would invite a lot of the women to come over. You know, it's probably usually when people split up, it's because one person wants to just be a little vulnerable and they don't want to like say it in front of maybe all that masculine energy or something like that. So maybe somebody has mm-hmm. something personal they just want to talk about. But otherwise, like, go where you want to go. All right. There you go. You got to go where you want to go. Do what you want to do with whomever go. Tigga, you know the words. We want to do it too. You know. All right. Well, I hope that helps, Candace and uh, Michaela. Tig. Word on the internet is that you want to be in a superhero movie. How did you know this? Is this true? I think I would really like to be in a superhero movie. Here's why I think it might be a bummer. I think green screen acting and all that technical stuff probably kind of takes the fun out of a lot of acting. And I love acting and I have so much fun working with Mm -hmm. other people. So that's like 98% of why I do it is because just sitting on set and with other actors and hanging out with them. So I think if I can't act with somebody and I have to be like, turn here, look at this blue dot and raise your Mm -hmm. right arm. Now yell to no one in particular. And it's bad dialogue. No, I don't want to be in a superhero movie. If it's a good superhero movie and there's, there's a meaty character and there's a clear want and all those Mm -hmm. things, I would love it. I think that would be super fun. Well, I hear you. And I did do that green screen acting, Mm -hmm. but you know what I have to say? What do you have to say? When they green screened me into Army of the Dead, Uh the zombie film, it was me on set for two weeks with the director, Zack Snyder. Mm -hmm. And before we started, I said, here's my one thing that I just ask is that we have an awareness that what we're doing is really weird or maybe funny or silly because I'm going to be acting alone in an action film. And so I really hope we can connect or have laughs together. And man, I had so much fun filming. So I hear you. And it was very technical. And I had to retrace my steps like half an inch different from where I just did. It was very technical. But man, I had a blast with Zack Snyder. That is so wonderful. That makes me so happy because I feel like when it comes to technical, your superpower is when someone says zig, you zag in a way that nobody Mm -hmm. could imagine, which I'm sure you found ways to do in this technical place. But if somebody (laughs) said, take two steps, you'd be like, like this? And then I could see you skipping backwards. (laughs) So I... I'm just impressed they got you to follow any direction. Same, same Z's. All right. Well, I think that related to this conversation Mm -hmm. that we just had, this final segment Mm -hmm. is perfect. It's called Don't Ask Your Heroes. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Now, you've heard the saying, don't meet your heroes, but what about asking one of them for advice? Don't ask your heroes is where we imagine what one of your role models would have to say about a particular question that's on your mind. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of people you admire Mm -hmm. and uh, somebody you look up to, but if you had to name the first person that comes to mind, who would that be? One of my heroes is also a friend of mine. Is that does that count? Of course. Okay. The first person that comes to mind is Julia Louis Dreyfus, and the reason for that is because when I did my first sitcom, it was on New Adventures of Old Christine, and mm-hmm. I always said to myself, if I ever am the lead of a show, I'm going to comport myself the way that Julia does, and. I've had the luck of working with her multiple times. We just played sisters in a movie that's going to come out. You hurt my feelings with Nicole Hofstetter, Nicole who Hofstetter. you know very well. Yes. And she is never disappointed. She has always been the person that I hoped she would be. And now I'm happy to say she's my friend. Mm-hmm. She hits on every level for me mm-hmm. as a person, as a comedian, as an actor, activist, as an activist. And as a mom, she's Mm -hmm. just unbelievable. I think she's amazing. So if you could ask Julia Mm -hmm. one advice-related question, Mm -hmm. what would you ask her? Oh, this is such a hard question, Tig. I know. Do you have any professional regrets? Great. And then Mm -hmm. what do you think she'd say? You know, I'll tell you what. I probably would have not let them do my hair like they did on Seinfeld. <laughs> I mean, what even was that, right? It was like, a, it wasn't even a wig. It was my actual hair. Um, no, I, I feel like that's what she would say. Was that a good Julia impression? <laughs> it was really good. I'm going to send her this clip and see what she thinks. Michaela, it has been such a pleasure to spend time with you. As always. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything you would like to mention? I have a movie coming out that I star in with Owen Wilson called Paint, and that'll be out next month. And then in May, I've got You Hurt My Feelings with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the woman who may or may not have professional regrets. Probably not. Written and directed by Nicole Nicole Hall Center. Center. Correct. Love that woman. Yeah, I do too. Love Julia. Love Michaela. I know. It really is a toss-up of who's the bigger hero, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's so many heroes. Too many heroes. Too many heroes to count. And I really do appreciate you coming on the show. I just think you're the funniest, greatest. I feel so happy that you had me. And I feel safe tonight. <laughs> and I don't feel safe, safe tonight. tonight. <laughs> That's a good tune. All right. Bye, Michaela. I love you. I love you.
Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shana Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool.